Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Rush Hour, ladies and gentlemen, presented by Bet Rivers. I, of course, am Danny Burke, your host, and it is exciting times here in the Chicagoland area, which we are currently in, just outside of Chicago, in Displaint at the Rivers Casino. Got Monday Night Football, baby, and we got the Bears. Hopefully can do you know something positive for us Bears fans to get somewhat excited about. But, look, they're going to Heinz Field. It's going to be a tough game. We'll see if they can keep it close, helping us handicap that game. And even more so than that, South Galena, senior football analyst over at PFF. He will be joining us in 15 minutes. We'll get his take on tonight's game. We'll get his thoughts on some of the other NFL Week 10 upcoming slate. Pretty good schedule to look forward to, so we'll talk about some of the biggest and most intriguing games with Seth in 15 minutes here on Rush Hour. Afterward, we got Tim Benz, host of the Pittsburgh City Cast. Of course, we got to have Tim on, see what he thinks about tonight's affair with the Steelers and the Bears. It's Pittsburgh Steelers again, lane seven, short total of 40. Him and I actually talked a little bit on Friday when I was hopping on his show, so I'm curious to see where his thoughts lie uh, for this game because, look, again, you know, we always talk about these primetime games, and a lot of them aren't the prettiest to look forward to, but still ample betting opportunities, which I think there are plenty of tonight, which we'll discuss when we go into my better half momentarily. And at the end of the show, Danny's Dimes and Prop Shelf. So a lot to dive into. Let's get you settled up with those opening lines and where they have moved. I already pretty much teased it. I mean, there hasn't been that much movement. I was kind of shocked to see this get to seven. Not necessarily shocked, but... More tempted, I guess I could say. And I was saying this on the Chicago City cast earlier today. 
And I'm like, man, if I wasn't a Bears fan, I would be very inclined to take these seven points against the Steelers because as a fan, I know if I just look to back the Bears or think it's a good spot for them, inevitably the opposite is going to occur. That's just a feeling that us Bears fans always have. But in a primetime game and against a Steelers team that really isn't that dominant, not that impressive, and have failed to cover in, what, their last five or their last six games as favorites, and also underdogs that cover the spread in eight straight Steelers home games, just a couple to throw out there. Even more so, I mean, with this number at seven, it seems like the Bears would be the right side. But can you fully trust them? That's the big question, because if you're the Bears, you're still missing Khalil Mack. Could open up the holes big time uh, on the ground for Najee Harris, naturally. You saw it happen with Mitchell last week, so you would assume a guy who's been getting 20-plus carries the last three weeks can do the exact same against his Bears' run defense. Eddie Jackson going to be doubtful in this game more than likely. Some bright news potentially. Their lineman, Tevin Jenkins, could be seeing some play time. So that could be big for the Bears offensively. But again, the spread at 7. Slight late movement has gone to Pittsburgh. 6.5 up to 7. Total dipped down to 39.5 momentarily. Then we've seen it now at about 40. It's so low that I wouldn't touch the under. It would be over nothing just. In total would be your best angle. So I always like to say I think there's a better approach, and I think that approach is going with some of these first half lines. So let's get into it. It is time for my better half here on Rush Hour, where we give you the inside knowledge for those spreads, money lines, and totals for the first half affair for the Bears and the Steelers tonight. So let's kick things off looking at this money line for Chicago and Pittsburgh. At Bet Rivers, the first half three-way bet, the Bears plus 190. The tie is about plus 1050. Steelers minus a buck 82. Now, looking at the first half for each team, the Steelers just two, four, and one straight up on the first half money line. All right, nothing impressive. We kind of understood that coming into this game. The Bears are actually four and four on the first half money line. All three games they've won, they have been leading when they are up against Detroit, 14 nothing, Cincinnati, 7 nothing, and then against Las Vegas, 14 to three, and even last week for San Fran, 13 to nine. But what can they do on the road against the Steelers? Because, again, you know, you're looking at the Steelers, the only two games they were up heading into the second half. They're up 17-6 versus Denver, 14-0 versus Seattle. Value would probably be with the Bears or nothing in this spot, but where you might want to divert your attention a little bit more so, if you like the Bears, it's got to be with the spread, right? I mean, you're over the key number of three. They're catching three in the hook. About minus 107 is what you're laying for Chicago, minus 114 for the Steelers. Now, if we applied the spread of three and a half to every single Bears game, they would have covered in five out of eight games. With the Steelers on the other side, if they were laying three in the hook in every single game, they would just be two and five against the spread. Now, as lackluster as Bears defense has been the past few weeks, and really this whole season, I mean, to replicate what they did in 2018, it's not going to happen. And they're just, you know, getting worse and worse and worse incrementally, and especially against the run, which is going to be the main focus of the Steelers' offense. But that would cause the clock to kind of wind down, and the Bears potentially an opportunity to keep it closer, at least in the first half, where their defense, you know, excluding the Tampa Bay game, has been phenomenal in the first half. They truly have been. It's kind of crazy to think about it, but they would be allowing opponents 6.4 first half points per game if we take out the Tampa Bay game where the Buccaneers <laughs> dropped 35. If we include that, then they'd be you know, allowing 10 first half points per game. Offensively, Bears only putting up 8.5 first half points per game. Steelers allowing 8.4, so the defenses both thrive in the first half. 
Both offenses slack, too, because Steelers are only averaging 8.3 first-half points per game. So, look, that wouldn't give me any confidence to lay three in the hook with the Steelers, where the Bears have done somewhat well, again, you know, excluding the game against Tampa Bay. It's been in the first half, so I would consider strongly Bears plus three and a half in this first half of this game. Now, let's look at the total points here because there has been some late movement. Total points in this first half was 19 and a half really the whole week until just recently. Now it's up to 20 and a half, overs plus 104, under minus one and a quarter. Now, the Bears have gone over 20 and a half just two times, okay? And it was only, you know, or it was three times at 19 and a half, but that game against the Rams, they actually got to 20 points. So it would have went over the 19 and a half, but stayed under the 20 and a half. So the Bears have stayed under 20 and a half first half points in six out of eight games. Whereas for the Steelers, they have also stayed under it in the majority of games, but four out of seven. As of this point, remember, both really top defenses in the first half, both cannot move the ball consistently or have any dominance in terms of the offensive side of the ball, not even in the first half, just overall with their offenses. So you got to be looking under here, right? 20 and a half minus 125. That would be the way you would have to go. Total points by the Steelers in the first half also getting some love in favor of Pittsburgh. It was 10 and a half, then 11 and a half. Now we're seeing it at 12 and a half, shaded slightly uh, to the under, about minus 117. The Steelers have only gone over 12 and a half first half points twice. They got 17 versus the Broncos, 14 versus Seattle. Bears have held opponents under 12 and a half first half points in six out of eight games. Week one against the Rams, Los Angeles dropped 13, and Tampa Bay, as we alluded to, dropped 35. Steelers averaging just 8.3 first half points per game. That is 28th worst in the NFL. If you take out the Bucks game for the Bears, they're allowing opponents less than seven first half points per game. I don't see why it keeps creeping up. I get it. You're missing Khalil Mack. I get it. You're missing Eddie Jackson. But this offense that Pittsburgh poses is just not prolific in any sense. I mean, unless Najee Harris is going to break out plays, unless they allow to happen what happened to Debo Samuel with a huge breakout play and explosive plays, then that would be the way the Steelers get over it, in my opinion. But it's also going to come down, uh, come down to how much the Bears' offense can control time of possession. You're getting David Montgomery back. We'll see if that boosts the running game even more so but would strongly lean under 12.5 first-half points for the Steelers. The Bears' first-half points is at 7.5, naturally shaded to the under, minus 136. Bears have gone over this three times. Steelers have allowed opponents over this mark in four out of seven games. I don't want to take the under. It's so short. I'm touching nothing with it. You don't know what you're going to get out of Chicago. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at first-half wagers, total points by the Steelers under 12.5 may be your best bet, or total points altogether in the first half under 20 and the hook now that that number has been on the rise. So that's kind of where I'm thinking for the first half of this game. Let's look at some other betting areas and we will go over a bunch of props. Don't worry. We've got that in about 40 minutes or so, but I wanted to keep it going with the total points and then some touchdown props. Steelers total points in the game in its entirety is listed at 23 and a half, slightly shaded to the under minus 113. Now Pittsburgh's only averaging 19 points per contest. They've only gone over 23 and a half once. And that was against the Broncos where they got 27. However, the Bears have allowed opponents to go over this mark in five out of eight games. And all of the games they've allowed opponents to go over happen to be all the games they have lost. So if you think the Steelers are going to win this game, history this season at least has told us that the opposing team is going to get more than 23 and a half points. As for the Bears, their total points is 16 and a half. It's still shaded to the under minus 121. But granted, Bears averaging just 15 points per game. Steelers allowing opponents 20 points per game. 
Bears have gone over 16 and a half in, uh, in half the games, four out of eight. They've stayed under every game they've lost, except for last week versus San Fran, where they dropped 22. But the Steelers have allowed their opponents over this mark in five out of seven games. Buffalo only got 16 in week one. Browns got 10 last week. It would be over nothing because the price is even money and 16 and a half is just so low. And let's see if Justin Fields is progressing. Looked like it last week. As Bears fans, that's all we got to hope for with this team. But with lean over for the Bears, slightly to the under. But I still think the first half angles could be a little bit better. Finally, any touchdown score props. Really wanted to talk about this. There has been big line movement since I first kind of dabbled in it. Long story short, the guy I was looking at, kind of a couple of them, but the guy I was looking at to throw a little bit of lunch money on just for fun. How about Jesse James? He was 22 to 1 for the Bears anytime touchdown score. He's dropped down to 14 to 1 now. Steelers have allowed 11 passing touchdowns this season compared to three rushing. And James got his one touchdown last week in the red zone. Three receptions on three targets each of the last couple of games. You heard Fields say, look, I'm familiar. I feel comfortable with Jesse James because I got to work with him a lot in camp. Cole Komet's getting utilized a little bit more so, but not necessarily in the red zone. James saw 54% of the snaps last week, his most by far all season. Steelers have given up two touchdowns to tight ends this season. If you want the value play, it was 22-1. to Now it's 14 but Dabbling it a little bit. So intriguing as well for any time touchdown score. And for some reason, something's telling me Allen Robinson could be a narrative driven guy tonight. But I like the value with James anytime touchdown score. We'll get more thoughts on Monday Night Football. Seth Galina of PFF hopping on next with us right here on Rush Hour. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. You've got the Chicago City Cast, Denver, Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, and now the New York City Cast as well. So subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts available and get hooked up five episodes a week, local sports betting content. All right, welcome back to it. It is Rush Hour here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, at Danny Burke Fives, where you can follow me on Twitter. Again, we talk about the CityCast. I host the Chicago one, so be sure to check that out throughout the week. Not only complaining about the Bears, but we talk the Bulls, Blackhawks, Nebraska, my alma mater, and get to be infuriated about them if you want to hear me rant. And then we got Tim Bentz, host of the Pittsburgh City Cats, does a great job over on the East Coast. He will be joining us next segment to preview tonight's game. But let's get Seth Galena's thoughts on this matchup and then some right now. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Seth. He's a senior football analyst over at Pro Football Focus. Seth, it's always a pleasure to talk some football with you. And look, you and I were kind of laughing a little bit in between this break, previewing this Bears and Steelers game. The spread is up to seven in favor of Pittsburgh, but what we were kind of chuckling at is his total of 40. Is that almost like, could you just, is, is there no number that would be low enough for you to look toward betting this game under? Oh my goodness. I I, I get the feeling we're going to get the same score we got last week with Pittsburgh. I think it was 15 to 10 last week. Mm-hmm. And I just get the feeling that we're going to get another one of these slop fests because neither team can move the football at all. I mean, we know this. Neither team can move the football. I think there's probably more of a chance of an explosive play by the Bears offense, but but the better defense is, is in Pittsburgh. So I don't know. I just uh, I'm excited to watch it because I mean, we were talking about this before. I think we're both gluttons for this type of this type of slot ball but uh but yeah i'm excited yeah and and look it it makes sense that it's so low because you have two poor offenses and look the bears defense certainly nowhere near as dominant as they have been in the past but they can still be competent from time to time especially in the first half which we were talking about to begin the show but you know seth when you see a total so low like 40 and teams that are virtually the same kind of all around i mean the head coaching advantage obviously goes with pittsburgh and the spread is up to seven does that make you kind of lean more toward taking the points with the bears or have the bears been so untrustworthy that you either back the Steelers or just stick away from it 
It, it's weird for a game. Uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but it's weird for a game to be that low on on the total, but then still have a seven point spread. So that's for me. I'm 100% taking. Uh, I'll take seven points any day of the week with two bad offenses. But I will say, you know, it's funny. Like the I've been watching the Steelers a lot recently on offense. Don't ask me why. But uh, I actually like what Matt Canada has has done on offense there. I think they're trying a lot of stuff. Now, it's not necessarily working because the offensive line is just okay, though it has been getting better. And Ben Roethlisberger is just not the player that he is and probably never will be. But they're trying stuff. I mean, it's tough because they just Ben just won't do anything, but they're trying stuff. Yeah, and that's what you can respect at least. And sometimes the Bears get kind of caught up in this purgatory that they're setting where they're just doing repetition after repetition and lateral plays. And it's Matt Nagy's playbook, even though Bill Lazor's calling it, that just drives us Bears fans nuts. And you're right. I mean, at least Pittsburgh is trying new stuff, even with the statue of a quarterback in Big Ben. But you mentioned the Steelers' offense, Seth, and a prop that myself included and everybody's very interested in is Najee Harris and his rushing yards, about 80 and a half. His rushing attempts is as high as 19 and a half, but he's gotten 20-plus in the last three games. Is this offense once again going to be relying on Harris considering the lack of run defense we've seen from the Bears, especially last week? I mean, Mitchell went off against his Bears defense with no Khalil Mack. Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, for my fantasy team's sake, I need a... I think I need Najee Harris to go for about, um, you know, 45 carries, 306 yards and four touchdowns. So I'm hoping so. And I, and I, and I think it's one of those games where I think Pittsburgh will, will enjoy that. They will enjoy the fact that, Hey, you know, the bears don't have a great run defense. We can pound the football a bit and keep the ball, keep the play clock turning, click the game clock turning and just give the ball to the one player they give the ball to who where anything good happens really and then take their shots down the field with a, you know a claypool you know it's not like they they scheme up great stuff down the field but at least they have a guy like claypool who can go up and make a one-on-one catch down the sideline that's that's how they create their explosive plays so i think that's going to be the game plan going forward again and i think they'll be hoping for you know what's been sometimes a, a slog and like two and a half yards per carry they get four and a half, five and a half yards per carry, and they can they can control the game that way with Nashi Harris. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Look, it's been evident that that has been successful against this Bears team, even though they try to do the same thing, but when other teams do it, they're actually able to execute in the red zone. Bears just haven't been able to do that. So, look, despite that, I'm with you. Low total here, two teams that are somewhat similar. I would take the points with the Bears and points. I'm not touching anything with it, but wouldn't be surprised if it's that 12-9, 15-10 like we saw last week type of finish and Seth look the team that they had that finish with the Browns are a team that's actually they got a game this week that's been catching my attention early on they're on the road in Foxborough against the Patriots Cleveland getting a not surprising win but in terms of their dominance I guess was a little bit shocking against Cincinnati so they're going on the road against New England they're catching a point and a half in this spot how do you figure this one goes down this seems like a really tricky game to handicap yeah it you know, it's interesting because when you watch the Browns offense uh, yesterday against the Bengals, you just saw a team that uh, could dominate kind of what we were just talking about, dominate in the middle of the trenches between the guards. And they every time they ran the football, they were just double teaming the Bengals interior defensive lineman back. I don't think you're going to get that against the Patriots interior. 
So then it's like, well, now they can't run the ball like they did against the Bengals, and you're going to have to throw the ball a little more. Now, Baker Mayfield did play pretty well. Uh, However, he was protected, you know, basically 20 dropbacks. You know, I think it's 24 total dropbacks or 25, and I think four of them were screen passes. So you're not talking about a lot of dropbacks. How many of those of the 20 were a play action? Probably half of them. And he threw the ball really well. But the question is always going to be the same with Baker Mayfield and on Brown's offense. If you stop the run game, easier said than done. But if you stop the run game, where do they go from here? Like when, when they have to start spreading it out, do they have the, the talent of quarterback? And now without Odell Beckham, and obviously there's issues there with him and his connection with Baker Mayfield, but without Odell Beckham, do they have the, 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 receive, the full receiving core to be able to do that? And I, and I do think the, the Patriots will give them a lot more trouble uh, in terms of them trying to run the football than the Bengals certainly did last uh, yesterday. So that, to me, is the, the interesting thing going forward with this Browns team and, and certainly against uh, a more of a formidable uh, interior run defense in New England. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, Seth, the same things could be said or were said for this Tennessee team because this game also is catching my attention. Titans at home hosting the Saints. Tennessee after their big win, a two-and-a-half point favorite. This total at 45. So we saw the Titans able to plug in other running backs and do it successfully for the most part. I mean, a a big part in them having success in that game was Matt Stafford being very incompetent, uh, stepping back and throwing last night with a couple interceptions. He just looked way off. But nevertheless, the Titans are looking solid. And now you get a Saints team team that to me, you know, this is an anomaly of a team. I don't know how to gauge what performance we're going to get out of the Saints on a weekly basis, but you're getting Tennessee under the key number of three in this game. We got about a minute left, Seth, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. What do you think happens in Tennessee? I I don't trust the Saints. I'm a Saints fan. I'm wearing a Saints hat right now. I don't trust <laughs> the Saints one bit. Uh, this is a team that is five and three that you could even reasonably tell me is seven and one because they lost basically on the last, you know, big comeback against the Giants and then losing in the last play against the Falcons. And yet I don't trust them at all. The offense is just horrific. The receiving core is absolutely horrific. They need Odell Beckham as much as anything in the league. Uh, but the defense is very good. Still, I think the Titans, um, uh, Titans minus two and a half just makes a lot, a lot of sense to me. And that's funny. And I didn't know you were a Saints fan saying that, but the fact that you're kind of thinking the Saints, I mean, I don't think anybody knows what to expect out of New Orleans on a week-to-week basis. But somehow they've been finding a way, and somehow they've been finding ways to disappoint you like that Giants game that also disappointed me. Still salty about it because they ruined my teaser. But, no, Seth, hey, look, it's going to be a fun week to look forward to and hopefully a fun game tonight. We appreciate you helping us kind of dissect all of it. And uh, best of luck with whatever you're playing. Uh, look, we're, we're only hoping for Najee Harris carries and touchdowns tonight. That's all we want. <laughs> hey, we need Thanks, to get buddy. over 300. That's right, baby. <laughs> we'll be rooting for it for you, Seth. Uh, at PFF underscore Seth, where you could follow him on Twitter. Great content covering the NFL. And he does college football as well over at Pro Football Focus. Senior football analyst. Great stuff all around from Seth. So, look, we're both hoping for a big night out of Najee Harris, as is our next guest, Tim Bentz, host of the Pittsburgh City Cast. He's probably not even hoping, but expecting a big evening out of the rookie Najee Harris. We'll see what props he may like for tonight and just his overall game thoughts. And don't worry, we'll be going over some of my best bets and many more props at the end of the show tonight. That's going to be coming up in about 20 minutes. But coming up next, you're getting the Steelers expert, Tim Bentz, host the Pittsburgh City Cast, joining us right here on Rush Hour.
Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Midseason Football Special is here, and for only $99, you get everything VSIN has to offer from right now till the end of the NFL playoffs. You get daily best bet emails, 24 7 video streaming. Betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on VEASAN.com. And don't forget the upcoming College Hoops betting guide as well. It's a great deal at only $99. And for the rest of the football season, check it out now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's V-S-I-N.com slash subscribe. Okay, welcome back to it right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live at the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The crowd is filling up, people, because, look, you know, even if we're excited or not as Bears fans, at least we have the game to look forward to. And someone else who may be a little bit more excited for this game, given the uh, higher rate of success for how it's going to end up, is Tim Benz, host of the Pittsburgh City Cast. His great work covering all things Pittsburgh, especially the Steelers. Tim, thank you for taking some time tonight. I know you have a lot to look forward to. Uh, look, when we talked on Friday, this spread was at about six and a half. Now it's at seven at Bet Rivers, and the total is at 40. What has been your read on this game throughout really the course of this whole week? I'm not incredibly surprised that it's crept up. Uh, I think, you know, some Steelers fans have, you know, done a lot of sitting and waiting and eyeing it to see how it goes, and then they pounced. And, you know, I, I, I think that right around a touchdown is where it should be. 40-39 is spot on. I mean, if you look at the team point totals individually, I think they both live between 39.2 and 39.6 or something like that. So, you know, the numbers are where they should be, and maybe some Steelers fans are, are throwing money down as we get a little bit closer because they've talked themselves into the Steelers being able to put points on the board with Khalil Mack going out. That might have a little something to do with it. But, um, you know, I, I think right now, if you really gave truth serum to a lot of Steelers fans, they'd tell you that they would have signed up in blood for four and three right now after starting one and three. And I think a lot of Steelers fans also, when they were doing the whole win-loss, win-loss, win-win-loss-loss loss thing at the start of the year, probably looked at the first seven games and uh, only the cockeyed optimist would have given them five or more. It's just they took a weird path to get here. You know, if, if you knew in advance that they were going to be four and three, then you would have said, okay, so what, they lost to the Bills in the first game and Russ beat them and uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers beat them. Or, you know, they beat Russ, but they lost in Cleveland. You would say, okay, that makes sense. The big thing for them is what do they do down the stretch if they do get to six and three? which has kind of been the point of conversation here in Pittsburgh of late. You know, beat the Bears on Monday night, 20 in a row at home on Monday night, and then beat the Lions. Now you're at 6-3. and three. What can you do down the stretch with the rest of those games? And, and I'm glad you brought that up because last week, when we like to go into some of the futures in the NFL at about the middle of the week, one of the teams with their updated win total that I discussed was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Eight and a half is the number. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't necessarily believe that the Steelers may be as good as this record right now. I mean, like you said, I mean, everybody would do whatever it took to get the Steelers to this record they're currently at. And they have a favorable matchup not only tonight, but next week against the Lions. So the way I'm kind of looking at it, Tim, is if you think the Steelers do have the advantage and they win both games, 
have a little bit of patience, then look to jump in on the updated win total in a couple weeks, and maybe look at the under then, because natural, naturally it'll be a little bit inflated because of the benefits of these matchups the next couple weeks. Is that how you would kind of look to gauge it too, or is there something that could occur that would maybe change your mind and go, no, this team took a turn and they are for real? No, well, okay, the two parts of that. The second part, the thing that would make me say, you know, take a turn and, and go in the other direction is did something happen to Najee Harris, did something happen to Ben Roethlisberger, did something happen to T.J. Watt. Um, you know, that, that would be the negative. But you could also say maybe something happens to Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, who they faced twice. You know, like that, that would also come into play to me. But I think your instinct in the first half I, I agree with, which is, let it play out, let it get up to six and three, and then, okay, if, if it gets up to six and three, so that's nine games, they've got eight more to go to get to 17, then it's four and four from there. Uh, if you can pick out those four and they get to 10, they're probably in the playoffs. Uh, if you only think they're going to win three out of the remaining ones, well, pick the three. I, I can count to three of those wins a hell of a lot easier than I can count to four or five. <laughs> let me tell you that. I mean, like, there's no lock of a win on the back half of that schedule, not one. I mean, the closest thing is a game against the Vikings, I think, after they get done with the with the Lions. Anything after that is who plays better on that given day. Yeah, for sure. It's not going to be an easy road down the rest of the stretch for Pittsburgh, but these next two games, well will definitely be favorable for him. So we'll see what goes on in that regard. I'm saying have a little bit of patience and look at that win total. But, Tim, let's go back to tonight specifically and let's look, you know, we talk about Najee Harris, huge point of the Steelers' offense. He's averaging over 24 carries the last three games for Pittsburgh. Great opportunity tonight against his Bears' run defense that has not been good whatsoever. You know, Mitchell went for over 100 yards last week. You're missing Khalil Mack. His prop is about 80.5, 81.5 or so. Is it, I mean, it, it's high, but, like, to me, I just see Najee going run after run after run and getting positive yardage on pretty much every carry. Is that how you envision it as well? Would it only be over his rushing yards for you, or do you think the Bears could maybe contain him? You know, he was effective at a 3.6 yards per carry clip. Um, well, that's what the team was anyway. And they seem very comfortable with that against the Browns. Maybe they're a little less patient if the Bears are stingy on rush defense in this game because the Steelers feel like there's more on the table and they're a little less concerned about putting the Bears offense back on the field as opposed to what they were wanting to avoid the Browns rush attack. So I could see them get a little bit more itchy if it's only at, like I said, a 3.5 or so yard per carry clip. But um, I also think that to your point, this is a less effective rush defense, especially with Mac out. Um, this is a less effective rush defense that they're going to face this week in Chicago than what they saw in Cleveland. So uh, I, I would definitely lean towards the over for Najee. All right, sticking with the Steelers' offense then, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later in the next segment, Tim, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Ben Roethlisberger and his passing completions, the number is 23-and-a-half. Only one opposing quarterback has gone over this against the Bears, and that was Jared Goff who got 24 now, Big Ben's averaging about 25 per game, and look, again, if it's going to be the main focus, Najee Harris, if they have control of this game, to me, I think he stays under this mark. How would you look to handicap his uh, pass completions at 23 and a half? I agree. For the reasons 
you pointed out before, that's why I would lean towards the Najee over number, and then I would go Ben under on the completions. Um, you know, unless he's really good and Najee's really good, uh, and we haven't seen too much of that from this offense this year where they're in rhythm at the same time. Uh, I would lean towards the under because I just I don't see the Steelers being on the field for that many plays for them to potentially both hit. Um, you know, it, it'll be close. You know, that'll be a Nats eyelash for a, a, a miss on that window. But I, I would think it'd be a little tough for both of them to hit, and I'd lean towards Harris more than I would Ben after last week. All right, Tim, we got about 90 seconds left. Is, if there's any lasting thought or narrative or something people should keep in mind when they're looking to bet this game, what should it be? Cool. Um, you know, if you want to go under on passing yardage for Justin Fields, if you want to go over on Steelers sacks, uh, I like those. Maybe over on what the Steelers turnovers are. They haven't been a very good turnover team. I think they're going to get a few off the field. I would say splash play defensive numbers for the Steelers, individual sacks for Watt, turnovers. If you can find individual plays on uh, defensive players, sacks, um, low in the passing yards total for fields. Those are the things that I think might hit on the other side of the ball. Love it. Tim, appreciate you. Thank you for hopping on tonight. I know you got a busy night to look forward to. And uh, everybody, be sure to check out the Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim's got you covered. Everything Pittsburgh sports. You can give him a follow on Twitter at TimBenzPGH. And Tim, look, uh, best of luck to your Steelers. Obviously, we'll be different a little bit. But what we can agree on is rooting for Najee Harris to have a big night. So <laughs> we'll hope for the best and enjoy the game, my friend. Gambling brings everybody together. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, it does. Tim Benz, ladies and gentlemen, again, host of the Pittsburgh City Cats, five episodes a week. Great content covering all things Pittsburgh. He does very well, knows all the sports players, coaches, personnel, everything really solid. So, look, like he said, I mean, I'm glad that he's saying the same thing with Big Ben, too, because to me, that number at 23.5 seems a little bit too high. Just a little bit there. Only one quarterback has gone over that versus the Bears, and barely. And it was Jared Goff, 24, in a game they were trailing. My thought process is, look, the Steelers probably winning this game. Like Tim said, I mean, what, 20 Monday night football victories in a row for Pittsburgh is looking is what they're looking to do? It's incredible. So they got the better coach in Tomlin. They got the better defense. We'll see if they can put that all together. But, again, the spread is at 7, maybe a little bit too high with the total that's so low at 40. I'm probably not touching that area. Where I'm touching is going to be all the props, people, and we'll get into that next with Prop Shelf and Danny's Dimes. Plenty to go through before we send you off in anticipation of Monday Night Football. Stick around. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. on VSN, the sports betting network. BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and BetRivers has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays and all-pro football matchups, plus they've brought back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. Plus, this NFL season, they've got their $1 million Beat the Spread Challenge, and they're giving thousands of dollars away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bets. Offers valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Also available at PlaySugarAss.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. All right, folks, it is that time. Welcome back to Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers, right here on VCD Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host. We are getting you prepped for Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Chicago Bears. Plenty that we've already discussed, plenty to look forward to in terms of the props. So let's do just that. 
time to get into Danny's Dimes for Monday Night Football Steelers and Bears. The spread at 7, total at 40. I want to trust the Bears, but I can't. So instead, I'm going to be talking about some of these props. And as you know, we've already talked about one of them at long lengths, and that's Najee Harris. Now, on Friday, we talked about his rushing yards at about 81.5. That thing came down to 79.5, went up to 80.5. I jumped in on it again. So, look, if it's 81.5, would still play it. Wouldn't do anything over that, probably. Bet Rivers, you're still getting a solid look. Because, I mean, Najee Harris has been a beast these last few games. 26 carries for 91 yards at Cleveland. 24 carries for 81 yards versus Seattle. 23 rushing attempts for 122 yards versus Denver, those are the last three games. So if you're getting 80 and a half, he's gone over that in all three games. If it's 81 and a half, obviously two out of three, but he missed it by just one against Seattle. The biggest part of this, though, the biggest reason why you love Najee Harris going over is because of his opponent. The Chicago Bears' run defense has been nothing. They have been brutal, especially last week where they let Elijah Mitchell just do whatever he wanted against a defense that was missing Khalil Mack and will still be missing Khalil Mack in this game. Plus, Bears ranked 24th in DVOA run defense. They're allowing 125 rushing yards per game and 4.5 yards per carry, which is 24th worst in the National Football League. This is how the Steelers move the ball. This is how they will move the ball. So look for Najee Harris over his rushing yards prop. It'd be either 80 or 81 and a half, depending on where you can get it. Look for him to go over that. Now, sticking with the Steelers, we briefly touched on this with Tim Ben's last segment. Let's talk about Big Ben, though, and his past completions. 23 and a half under. Minus 110 is the bet I played with Big Ben. Now, he's averaging 25 completions per game, and he's gone over this in a majority of the games this year, four out of seven to be exact. But you look at the Bears, and they're only allowing opposing quarterbacks, on average, 20 completions per game. That's sixth lowest in the NFL. Now, only one quarterback has gone over this mark, and that was Jared Goff, where he got 24. Barely got over it in a game where the lines were trailing, Assuming that the Steelers are not going to be trailing and their main offense is a ground game, I cannot foresee Big Ben going over 23-and-a-half. I get Eddie Jackson is doubtful and probably going to be missing this game, but still, Big Ben under 23-and-a-half pass completions, that's another bet that I'm taking in terms of props tonight. Now let's keep it on the Steelers, Pat Fryermuth. You don't know who he is? Well, he's the tight end for the Steelers, and he ain't too shabby, but I'm looking to fade him tonight. 36-and-a-half is his receiving yards, over minus 112, under minus 117 at Bet Rivers. The reason why I'm fading Fryermuth and going under is because he's only averaging about 29 per game. He's getting about three catches on just under four targets per contest. He's gone over this in just three out of seven games, and at the same time, the Bears have only allowed three tight ends over this mark. Tyler Higby, week one at 68. Hawkinson at 42. Darren Waller at 45. Three solid tight ends that get a lot of looks on their respective team. And Fryermuth, look, you know, he gets okay amount of looks, but, you know, you got Claypool out there. You got Johnson out there. You got Harris in the receiving game that takes a lot of the workload. Bears, on average, allowing opposing tight ends 28 receiving yards per game. They defend the tight ends pretty well. And if they're going to be running the game, they won't need to be passing to him as much. Like I said, 36.5 was the highest number at Bet Rivers. I suggest you look to play that under for Fryermuth, under. 36 and a half minus 117. Now let's keep it one more on the Steelers. Chase Claypool also looking under on Claypool receptions. Four and a half. Now you're laying a pretty steep price here, which isn't ideal, but minus 150. This shot up, I think minus 115 is what it opened at. But Claypool, if you look at his numbers, he's averaging 4.3 catches per game. 
He's getting targeted about eight times, but he's only gone over four and a half catches in two games out of the six he's been involved with. He had five versus Denver, nine versus Cincinnati. You look at the Bears in their track record this season, the number two receiver on every opposing team has stayed under this against the Bears, except for Mike Evans, who had six, because look, it's Tom Brady, you're slinging it left and right, and he's a dominant receiver. And then T. Higgins also had six. They were the number two receivers against the Bears and the only number twos to get over four and a half receptions. Again, you know my, narr my narrative and assumption is that Big Ben isn't going to be passing it because they won't need to as much. That's not what they do. And if they do, it's probably going to be Deontay Johnson, not Chase Claypool with a high volume, and not Friar Muth as well. So I'm going Chase Claypool under four and a half receptions, minus 150. It's a steep lay, but that's probably the highest I would go. Otherwise, maybe stay away or wait for something in-game if you can get it. But Claypool under four and a half receptions, minus a buck 50. Now, finally, the last one I'm playing officially before we give out some strong leans. Let's go back to the kicking props. I know we did this before. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, and we barely missed it. But I think we have a decent shot tonight with Cairo Santos. I'm a little bit salty at him because he missed that extra point last week and that pushed our teaser. But aside from that, Santos has been money. Okay, he's only missed the one extra point, and otherwise, I think he's 8 for 8 on field goals this year, and now 12 for 13 on extra points. But his kicking points prop for Santos is 5.5, shaded slightly to the over, now up to minus 118. He's averaging 5.6 per game. Not great, but you understand why, because the Bears' offense doesn't necessarily put him in great position. And I'm not saying they will, you know, consistently tonight, but... Opposing kickers against the Steelers averaging 8 points per game and 6 out of 7 kickers have gone over 5.5 kicking points against the Steelers. Chase McLaughlin, the Browns kicker last week, only wanted to stay under. He got 4. But most importantly, Fields looked better last week. They were able to move the ball. You're also getting David Montgomery back in the mix. And yes, Pittsburgh's defense is still solid. Not as great as they were last year. So I think the Bears will have opportunities to get into scoring position. Maybe not into the red zone or into the end zone even more so. Pittsburgh only allowing opponents to score a touchdown 47% of the time that they're in the red zone. What does that mean? Maybe more opportunities for more points for Santos getting those field goals. Just give me two field goals, baby. And then we get Santos over five and a half kicking points. That's the other official play I'm rolling with tonight. Santos over five and a half kicking points. Now, really quick, before we end up here on Rush Hour, I wanted to go over a couple that I'm strongly considering but didn't necessarily use as an official play. Justin Fields in his pass attempts, 27.5 is the number. Look, I know anything going over with Justin Fields in the passing game seems like an impossible task, but he's averaging 28, a little bit over 28 passing attempts the last three games, had 32 versus Tampa Bay, 27 this past week versus San Fran, and also 27 versus the Packers. So he's averaging about 28.7 to be exact. Every opposing quarterback against the Steelers has attempted more than 27.5 passes, except for Joe Burrow, who only had 18, but that's because the Bengals were dominating in that game, and they just let Joe Mixon do all the work on the ground. So also, how much are they going to factor in Montgomery? Are Herbert and Montgomery 100%? I mean, you would hope and assume David Montgomery is, but... They're going to be trailing probably, and the Steelers' defense does a lot better against the run than they do the pass. You heard Bill Lazor's comments about wanting to get that passing game going. Everybody wants to see the passing game going, and I think you get it. Excuse me, choked up a little bit. I think you get it tonight more so with just fields. Maybe not completions, but with attempts. Look over 27.5 pass attempts over with Justin Fields. Let the kid throw it. Get that play action going, baby. And then last one that I would consider. 
Deontay Johnson, over 22 and a half for his longest reception. If you look around, you can find this, but he's gone over this in five out of six games. Bears have allowed an opposing receiver and a lead one at that to get their longest reception over 22 and a half in every single game and then some I mean multiple receivers in games have gone over this the Lions had three receivers who did it Rams had three receivers Bucks and Raiders had two and the list goes the 49ers had three guys go over 22 and a half for their longest reception you best believe Deontay Johnson can do that as well so consider Deontay Johnson over 22 and a half for his longest reception that's the two that I would strongly consider. As for our best bets, just to recap, doing Cairo Santos over five and a half kicking points, Chase Claypool under four and a half receptions, Pat Fryermuth under 36 and a half receiving yards, Ben Roethlisberger under 23 and a half pass completions, and Najee Harris over his rushing yards, 80 and a half, 81 and a half. We played the 81 on Friday, played the 80 and a half today, looking for Najee to have a big night. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another edition of Rush Hour. Let's hope the Bears can make it close. We're hoping for a close game. Hey, if the Bears went outright, you remember last year I had a mustache. I will say I will shave to the mustache again if the Bears went outright. Let's hope for that. Take care, folks. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.